BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Not only did he have the cardio of like a 75-year-old smoker with mesothelioma, but like he also had like a banged up (laughs) that he couldn't even stand on. Like, so, okay, great. Our, our, Our best big man can't move. These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom, catastrophe, and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the college basketball stories. I'm Ash Sheehan, and I'm here to talk to you about the 2013-14 Michigan State Basketball Spartans. Yeah, so I guess that's the appeal here, right? Is The reason why we're talking about this season is because uh, this is probably one of the times I get to humble, humble brag a little bit because I did cover the team. Uh, I got a behind-the-curtain look at Michigan State basketball. I covered the team for the student newspaper Michigan State my senior year. The state news, of course, multiple-time pacemaker award winners, as everyone, I'm sure, cares. Uh, listen, guys, you're not here to talk about the state news. You're here to talk about Michigan State Spartans. Um, MSU was a great team going into the season number two overall. They had a, just a fantastic balance of skill, leadership up top, and also, well, the younger guys, too, could play pretty well, too, and Gary Harris – uh, Travis Trice, of course, he was a junior, but still one of the guys coming off of the bench uh, in Keith Affleck's shadow still balled out. Man, this team was uh, this team was looking good, looking good to start the season. What seven straight wins? Um, I guess what should start at the MSU K- Kentucky game, right? The Champions Classic down in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, the only thing I really remember from this game other than being completely hammered off of having literally just beer the entire time for dinner. Uh, this was before I covered the team. I covered the team starting at the North Carolina game. So sorry guys. Uh, is MSU got off to a 10 0 run like is in the upper deck was absolutely popping. Uh, MSU led, I think the entire game, it got a little hairy down at the end. I think it was Alex Poitras had himself quite the evening for Kentucky, but your Michigan state Spartans, uh, Pull it out at the end, and man, like anytime you win a one versus two game, guys, I'm going to break some news here. You feel pretty good about your team the rest of the season, uh, and then of course they beat Columbia, suck it. They beat Portland, also suck it. Virginia Tech, suck it. Uh, Oklahoma, big suck it. And Mount Saint Mary's, huh? how about Mount Saint, suck it? Uh, yeah, so it's going to be a wrap of that here, man. Uh, 
quite the start for your Michigan State Spartans, and we were just rolling into the season here. Everyone was feeling great about everything. Bottles were being popped in East Lansing on a nightly basis. My bottles, I mean just like bottles of Miller Lite or Push or whatever you're drinking that night. So, yeah, man, awesome start to the season. Uh, <sighs> There's nothing that Michigan State loves more than being number one. Whenever they're ranked number one, they look at that rank and they're, yeah, you, you know what? It'd be really cool if they just lost that ranking as soon as we possibly can. And that's what they did against North Carolina. Uh, they lost, well, I, I don't know, it, it was not a close game. Uh, they, they came out in like these weird, you know, I remember too. And like, I felt really cool when I did this at the time, they came out in these like neon shoes and neon socks. And, uh, the lead to my story back when I was like this really self-important journalist, that thought I was the shit. I was like, Oh, MSU came out in these neon socks, but it ended up they were their own kryptonite, uh, against North Carolina. <laughs> they lost by 10 points. And I'm like, fuck that's, that's going to be the one. That gets me to the Washington Post right after graduation. Um, <laughs> newsflash, it didn't, but hey, you know what? still worked out. So if my memories from that were, A, Michigan State lost number one ranking immediately, and B, I thought I made a really cool uh, neon kryptonite sort of tie-in here, which uh, was ironic because I, I don't read comics. I've never watched a superhero movie, so I was I didn't even know if that was a correct <laughs> reference to make. Who knows? I'll never know. I mean, whatever. Yeah, man. <laughs> You know, we're you raggedy tagline in the Ivy League. Suck it. That's right. <laughs> I loved it. That's right. I loved also clarifying that popping bottles was popping bottles of like Miller Lite and but, Yeah, not to be mistaken for bottle service great. or anything fancy. Yeah. yeah. I don't want, want to get a twisted here. <laughs> right. It's a massive bounce back game against Oakland, and the fun part about this is um, the malice at the palace. Malice at the palace, but like this is even more intense, man. Whenever the Golden Grizzlies and Spartans meet, it, oh, haymakers all over the place, man. It's it's nuts. So uh, you would think that this is a major bounce back game. Okay, MSU is going to be in the okay side of things. I ended up being pretty pretty damn close. MSU winning by like I, I don't know a shot maybe or two. I don't know whatever. The only thing I remember from this game is is that press row for this game was situated right behind the MSU bench. And this is when I got my first real good peek at Izzo as a coach. Um, game tips off. It's going on. And all of a sudden, Izzo looks at a ref. Uh, he calls him out by name. Let's call him Jerry, whatever. He's like, Jerry, what the fuck was that? And like when I, when I hear that, I, I look up at the scoreboard. I'm like, 1956 left in the first half. Like it, it took Tom Izzo. It took Tom Izzo four seconds to lay the first. What the fuck was that to the ref? Like I, I like listen. There's no there's no mystery behind it. Like Izzo loves whining to the refs. He loves negotiating with them. He's a businessman. He, he's just working out you know deals throughout the game. At least that's what I like to call it as an MSU fan. Um, I didn't know he gets into it that early though. Against especially like a mid major team like Oakland, he wasted no time just throwing out the first WTF moment of the game. Four seconds into it. That's one of my favorite Izzo stories to tell. I mean, just because it shows you, like, how passionate he is. There, there was another moment, too, and this isn't when I was covering the team. This is two years prior against Purdue. I had his own seat right behind the bench, too. And they lost his game to Purdue, I think, by, like, 4,000 points, let's call it. Uh, there was a timeout where he punched his clipboard clean through. Like, it, it looked like fucking Bruce Lee just right through the clipboard. And then he's, he's losing his mind. Student manager gives him another clipboard, punches through that one too. So now the student manager goes up. He's like, hey, coach needs another clipboard. He's like, I, I, I just gave him one. I just gave him one. <laughs> I, he just punched me down 
one too. So it was just mass hysteria in, in the huddle. As, you know, it's just clean punching through clipboard after clipboard in the huddle. Like he's getting ready for his form testing at karate that week. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like I like I, I don't know if I'm breaking news to anyone here, but like what you see on camera with Izzo being an intense son of a bitch. Like no, nah, like that ain't for camera. Like yeah, he, he's like that, and just like. So what was cool about the media coverages too is um, we would get practice access too, which was cool, like once a week. And of course, you always got the feeling that like he was a little more dressed up when the media was there to watch. But like, whew. you guys remember when Izzo yelled at Aaron Henry in the first round of the NCAA tournament against Bradley? Like it was a whole hub bob and what and whatnot. It's like, oh, you you guys are upset about that? Like I've I've heard him say the most even in front of the media. I've heard him say the most heinous things to his players. But at the end of the day, like these are the players that always come back after graduation. These are the players that always just laud him. Like once they're in the pros, like it's, it looks bad optically, I guess, to someone that doesn't really, I mean, get it. Like, I know how weird that sounds, but like, yeah, his players love it. It's no mystery who you're committing to when you're a recruit for Michigan state. I don't even know where I start. Oh, that's right. Him telling a ref to go fuck himself four seconds into the game. But yeah, like sure. <laughs> that's just the way Izzo is, and like that, that's how that's how people rally around him. He, he's passionate, but he wants the most out of you. He also wants the most out of the refs too. Like let, let's not lose let's not lose sight here. Izzo is working these refs because he he knows that they can do better. <laughs> that's what I keep telling myself. That's every time he gets teed up or, or whatnot. <laughs> I believe I believe in you, Jerry. You can make better calls. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, Jerry. C- come on, like just just give throw us a bone here. I- I'm not trying to get effed over by by Oakland here. Four seconds into the, and here's the thing: it was like a foul wasn't even called then. Like it was just like a ticky tack, like moving screen that he thought should have been called right off the bat. But like, like Tom, like if if you need if you need a whistle blown four seconds into the game against Oakland, like I I, I think that's a your team issue then if that's what we're relying on here. But ah, I digress. Um, no memory against North Florida. At Texas, no memory against that. No, uh, no, actually, no, I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I'm, well, they can suck it. Both those teams can suck it. New Orleans as well can suck it. Um, yeah, like this is the midst of what? What seemed to be in a thousand game win streak until everyone started getting hurt, right? I mean, why am I asking you? I'm, I'm the expert here. That's why you guys brought me on. I, I, yeah, you <laughs> talk about these injuries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to take a hard pull of this beer here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what. Is going on as far as like MSU's ranking, but like I remember there was a like an abnormal amount of overtime games. Like there were two back to back overtime games from memory. It seemed like seven overtime games in a row, though. Like it was every single night, like seemed to be close. So they were winning these games, but some of them were pretty close. And you know, surprise, surprise, it was another year where like the Big Ten is going to be hotly contested, and there's a lot of teams at the top that could win this. However, like Michigan State was supposed to be one of these teams. And they weren't. Um, they started getting hurt everywhere. Like Adrian Payne, plantar fasciitis. Uh, like, not only did he have the cardio of like a 75 year old smoker with mesothelioma, but like he also had like a banged up <laughs> that he couldn't even stand on. Like, so, okay, great. Our, our, our best big man can't move. That's awesome. Uh, and then next thing you know, like, oh, Keith Applin had something hurt with him. Oh, Brandon Dawson punched a table and broke his hand. Like, oh, that's. That's fan fucking fantastic! Like, oh, this this whole team's great. Like, oh, Travis Trice, you got your ninth injury in your career here at Michigan State. Like, oh, we are just roaring right now. Um, so that's that's really how like the wheels fell off the bus here. Is that Michigan State just simply kept getting hurt, but at different times. It was like I, I don't know the exact timeline, but oh, you know what? 
I think Gary Harris got hurt at some point this year too. I don't know what I think it was his groin. Shit, like everyone got hurt. It was it it was tough, and everyone got hurt in increments to the point where like this team was never full from I I feel like mid to late January to like the first game of the Big Ten tournament. Like it was quite the year where okay, well, like we know we're a good team, we just don't have the whole team here. We got people missing. Like everyone's just dressed up in street clothes at the end of the bench because everyone's banged up. So that was kind of depressing, but still, like you, you were probably waiting for your number to be called. I was waiting for my yeah, dude. Listen, I, I I had the jersey on underneath my uh, cool button-up shirt that I wore at every single game. I thought I was snazzy. Uh, that's right. Just so you could under- rip off the buttons if he yeah, that's he pointed right. at you. Khakis were gonna get snapped off just like that. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give you tear away khakis. Tear away khakis. I was like, Tom, I got you five hard fouls. I can give you in the next seven minutes here if you need me. <laughs> But the first, like, loss here was, and I think this was, no, this is definitely a college game day game, was uh, Michigan State versus Michigan. And Michigan was a fine team that year. They had Nick Stauskas, Tim Hardaway Jr. I, Trey Burke was gone at that point, but they were still a mighty fine team. And what I remember from this game, this is a prime time game. We were on the baseline. I was in front of the band getting my eardrums blown to smithereens uh, the entire game. I remember Nick Stauskas shooting before the game. And there was maybe three times the entire time he hit the rim. And it still went in. Every other time, it was just like just the cleanest swooshes you'd ever see. And I'm looking like, well, bet. Eh, you might be in trouble here t- t- tonight. Like, I don't, like, the zone could be pretty insane tonight. And they were even during the warm-ups. Like, it was just a pop in atmosphere. But, man. Michigan wins. It's the whole thing with uh, Stoskis blowing kisses to the end zone. It's like, oh, fuck. all right. Well, this is the way it's going to be uh, for the rest of the season. Like, I guess MSU's just going to kind of take uh, hard losses here and there with the injuries. And you know what? One of the few moments in my life, unfortunately, I was I was kind of right. <laughs> I mean, like, MSU uh, didn't take many more consecutive wins from that point on. Uh, like, it was me and another kid that would change off – who wrote the game story? Who wrote, like, the column or the feature? There was a, a, a straight month where I did not win a single win story because it was win-loss, 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 win-loss. And I, of course, was writing the game story for every single loss. However, before we get there, of course, we got we got to talk about the Iowa game. Overtime. Russell Burton, as a four-star recruit, as Michigan State fans know, he was supposed to be a greater shooter than I, Ray Allen. Uh, he, he was the rich man, Steph Curry, coming into college. Uh, he turned out Kentucky to come to Michigan State. Like, oh, shit, like, Elliot, this guy's going to be awesome. He sucked. He, he was not good. Like, I remember having a coaching basketball class with him. It was him and three other kids that were on the team. It was uh, Russell Bird. It was Matt Costello, and it was Gary Harris. We took the same coaching basketball class at 8 in the morning, two days a week. If you want to talk about a blow-off class, that was awesome. Uh, Russell Bird ran fives with us in coaching basketball, and I remember like you you, you couldn't tell who the Division One basketball player was uh, among the crew. It was it, it was quite alarming. Like one of my buddies who was like not too athletically inclined, I would call him on the Dweebier side, like put him in basketball Guantanamo the entire time. Just put him in a body bag. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this, is, 
this is who we have to like rely on for shooting and scoring is, is this guy that's getting locked up by your normal everyday college dweeb like oh no until a trip to Iowa City where Russell Bird found some fucking magic out of nowhere <laughs> just splashed remember like it was yesterday splashed learned it in coaching basketball Right, of course. Yeah, that's right. We were just giving him run to prepare for a trip to Iowa City, <laughs> Iowa City where he just splashed a baseline three to uh, give MSU a late lead uh, at Iowa. Like, I, it came out of nowhere. He was not supposed to shoot that possession, but you know what? It was late in the shot clock, and who's got the ball in their hands? Oh, the quite literally the last person you want to have the ball in their hands. It's Russell Bird. Go ahead, hoist it up, buddy. And I'm than that, man. Like, all right, hey, it is what it is. So that's how we bounce back from a. A nasty loss uh, against Michigan, for sure. And then, yeah, okay, as everyone as everyone expects, uh, hey, l- let's play Georgetown. Let's, let's play Georgetown. Hey, we're in the middle of a, a hotly contested basketball season. Yeah, let, let's just play some ragtag team from, I don't know, like the Big East or whatever the hell conference they're in. Um, yeah, this is great. We wore all all bronze, not, not a hint of bronze, all bronze jerseys for this game. Like tops, bottoms, the shoes. It looked like they're wearing Tim's out there in the court. These are the nastiest, the nastiest jerseys I've ever seen. Not just from Michigan State, but just from uh, competitive collegiate athletics. And uh, yeah, hey, guess what? When you sneak in a, a weird non-conference game in the middle of a season in, in fucking New York City, like uh, you, you're going to lose that game, man. That they did. Um, it was only a four point game, which I'm star- I'm cheating, like I'm staring at the score right now. But like, if you asked me what the score of that game was, I would have said, "Oh, they lost that game by 18 points." It was like a nasty, nasty. nasty. I guess like the peek behind the curtain I can give as a, a reporter of this team is like going around asking all these players, like, "Hey, how are you guys? How are you guys going to be mentally focused going into a non conference game in the middle of the season?" And they're like, "Yeah." Yeah, we're ready. Like, yeah, we're going to play Spartan basketball. You know, just got to do what we do. It's like, oh, oh, you guys are going to get smacked <laughs> this game. Like, oh, you you guys you guys don't care about this game. It's like we, we, we could, we could kind of sense it amongst the team. It's like, oh, but like this, whoever the hell scheduled this game, like that, that's a big mistake, man. And uh, it, I guess it was, but in the grand scheme of things, like it didn't matter, I guess. I don't know. Just an annoying game to have in the middle of a Big Ten season. Sorry, I had to take a hard pull at the Sweet Miller light there. Uh, popping bottles. Yeah, popping bottles, man. I mean, that's that's just uh, how we roll in these Lansing, popping sweet bottles of Sweet Miller light. Um, can we get? Can we go back to coaching basketball as a class for a second? And what other <laughs> classes like that exist? Yeah, sure thing. So there was the bluffs I I took were indoor soccer as well, and indoor soccer too. Uh, of course. Oh, but, two. Yeah. Oh, two. Yeah, there was, the yeah. advanced do level. You, do you use your hands in the first one? Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> the, the goal's the size of like uh, a, a barn. It's great. You play, um, you play, but with no ball, and then you advance. <laughs> Once you're ready, you That's get the ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but I think they had like a coaching like basketball class. They just had like a general like stretch class. Um, yeah. This just in. Sometimes athletes take easier classes than others, and I was like one of the five non-athletes that took that class. Senior year, my schedule ended at noon on Wednesday. Like I had Thursdays and Fridays off just because I had first dibs at everything like a Division One athlete. 
I, I out of the fifty four thousand students at Michigan State, I'm probably fifty three thousandth in like terms of athletic ability. Like I, it was awesome. Like I had no right to have first dibs at any of those classes. But yeah, hey, coaching basketball, fuck yeah, I'll get out of bed for this. Why not? It wasn't bad. Like I mean, I'm not with like. What did you, know, you learn? Nothing. I learned that. <laughs> what did I learn? Do you know what I learned is that our, our, our teacher was pretty hot, man. I mean, that's all I learned. Uh, she was kind of a smoke show, man. So, like, I would talk with Gary Harris all the time, like, at practice and whatnot, and there was a game. I forgot what it was, but it ended early where we both ended up at, at an establishment. And I just interviewed him literally half hour before. So, like, I go up to him, like, hey, Gary, like, Gary shoot me straight, man. Like, do, do, do you recognize who I am? And he looks at me like, oh, yeah, dude. You're in coaching basketball. That's right, dude. Isn't that professor so hot, man? I'm like, first of all, like, I, I just talked to you like a half hour ago, like, not in coaching <laughs> basketball. Second of all, like, yeah, dude, she, yeah, she's fucking hot. Like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, what did I learn from coaching basketball? I don't know. Um, that Russell Bird didn't belong on a Division One basketball team. That's that's all I learned out of the full four or five months there. Like, but, hey, I digress. He got us a win at Iowa, so who am I to – to, to dog on them. Um, yeah, man. Coaching basketball. Fun times. Fun times. Really <laughs> something, too, that, like, Gary Harrison and Costello would, like, sit out for five-on-fives because, you know, they're Division One athletes and they shouldn't be fucking around and playing five-on-five with a bunch of jamokes like me uh, in, in a coaching basketball class. But Russell Bird's out there giving his all and still struggling. Like They've seen you in the zone with uh, those five hard fouls ready to go. Yeah, dude. Like, they don't, yeah. they don't want any piece of that. I was going to bring him in hell in a cell, man. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Coaching basketball, that's, that was a fine class. But, I mean, all, all the players are cool. Like, not, not like no one's really, like, a, a complete, like, prick or anything like that. Like, And that was the cool part, too, is, like, to get to know these guys, like, a little on a personal level, too. Like, Dawson was always cool. Like, Trice, I ended up becoming, like, pretty good friends with and. Yeah, it was it, it, it was cool getting a peek behind the curtain, and at the same time, like all these kids are my age, and it's like we could. I was gonna say we couldn't relate. We couldn't really relate at all, but like at least we could relate with like classes and like that grind at all. But like beyond that, like I don't know. It was me and a bunch of like old guys, but I don't know. It, it, it was nice having some rapport with them at the end. Where the hell did I leave off? Yeah. Here we go. Penn State. Uh, don't remember anything about that game. Wisconsin. <laughs> going to that game. So that was one of the games that they shipped us over to. Um, one degree in Madison, Wisconsin. Great city. Sprawling coastlines. Just tropical beyond belief. Um, we watched that game. Pulse Center was fine. Uh, I, I just remember Gary Harris was like one for 29 that game, and it was close at the end, and they gave him the final shot of the game. It's like, okay, uh, everyone zigs, and usually you find the hot hand of that game to give the last second shot to. Uh, Tom Izzo, Michigan State, zagged and gave it to a guy who couldn't throw the ball in the goddamn ocean if he was standing on the beach. Um, that's how that ended. It ended with a Wisconsin victory. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of sad. I think that was like a, a ranked game. Am I correct here? No? Oh, Wisconsin wasn't ranked. Oh, now that I'm cheating on my list here. Shoot. That's a bad look for your boy. Because to memory, like that was like a top 10 game. Like, Wisconsin was nine. MSU was seven. No, Wisconsin wasn't ranked at all, actually, that game. <laughs> it, it certainly felt like that. Oh. And then, like, it, it, it's – yeah, so it's 
Northwestern after that, Nebraska after that, Purdue after that. Guys, I'm sorry, but like seven years have passed. I'm sorry I don't remember Northwestern and Nebraska at Purdue, finally from memory, except the Purdue thing. And um, Michigan State hit roughly 49 three-pointers against Purdue, and they scored 94 points. And Listen, Spartan fans know this, and maybe I'm taking it a step further, but like whenever Mackey's on the schedule – Chalk up the big loss. Like I, I think lifetime as someone who's twenty eight years old, we're twenty seven losses, one win at Mackey to, to memory. So that was pretty impressive uh, to just drop a ninety four burger on them. Uh, and then after that, Michigan, the game at Michigan, that was a slaughter from what I remember. Like uh, I remember the game just not starting off great. Yeah, the second half somehow against all odds got even worse, and there was a moment too. Shit, you know what? I'm now finally remembering who the third guy was. Uh, it was Doskis, Hardaway, and Glenn Rice, the third. Someone threw an alley-oop to Rice. He caught it in midair, and while he was in the air, I had, like, a record scratch moment of, oh, no. Like, time froze when he caught the ball in the air. And I was like, this place is about to get so fucking loud right now. Like, they're about to bring the fucking house down at Chrysler Center. And sure enough, he cocked it back, popped it in. Chrysler e- erupted finally. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just not looking good for Michigan State. And at this point of the season, like, they've been going win-loss, win-loss, win-loss at a season where they were ranked two in the nation. And now they're not even in place to win the Big Ten. Like, that was kind of a must-win. And, well, they lost that. They lost the Illinois game the game after. And, well, Thankfully, Iowa came to town after that, and we got our medicine. But, yeah, man, by, by that, it was a foregone conclusion on the season, and they uh, go to Ohio State. We lose. I remember being at that game. It was a lifeless game. And then he's kind of just, okay, is everyone healthy? Are we fine? Are we are we going to go to Indianapolis and try to win a Big Ten tournament? It's like, okay, fine. I, I guess we'll try Go into what the mindset was of where you guys were going into the tourney because you're right. I mean, you lost what four of the last six, three of the last four. No, so that was the thing. It's like this was finally the time at the end of the season where everyone is finally healthy. I forgot the exact game where like the, the roster was back together, but bits and parts were starting to come together. It's like, okay, well, Dawson's healthy ish. Yeah, he's got this giant shooting brace on his shooting hand, but whatever, he's fine. Okay, hey, Appling. His wrist is okay. He's not 100% of what he used to be, but he's 80% of what he used to be. Okay, hey, Gary Harris, his groin isn't bothering him. Uh, Adrian Payne and his plantar fasciitis, like, yeah, it's looking okay. I remember talking with Adrian Payne, too. It's like, hey, so what's going on with your foot? And he just straight up told me, I have no idea. Oh, okay, that's that's comforting for every Michigan State fan. And all awesome, that's great. And it's like, can you describe what plantar fasciitis is? And he's like, no, <laughs> I, I, I can't. Okay. <laughs> Great, that's fantastic. Thank you for your time. Okay, I'll move on to the next person. <laughs> but, yeah, like, this is finally, like, the band's getting back together, and there was, like, a glimmer of hope that, okay, the roster's all kind of somewhat intact. Like, can this team go through the Big Ten tourney, maybe win two games, get a good seed, or if not, win the thing? Why not? Uh, you, you were number two in the country while you guys were all healthy. Well, just go for it. Give it a try. Why, why don't you dabble in winning? And... Just kind of going from there. So, first game like against Northwestern. I, I mean, I just I don't 
remember too much of it. I just remember it was kind of a blowout late at night. Um, and then it was the next game against Wisconsin, who was a, a fine team in their regard, but it was still a pretty big win. I mean, this is the team that we expected kind of the entire year, especially after taking a loss to Wisconsin earlier in the year. It was like, okay, well, you guys are finally back together. So far, you guys are proofing it. Let's see what you got against Michigan. And this is a Michigan team that's kicked your ass kind of twice this year. Um, and the complete opposite happened in this game. I, like, it was a what? I'll probably be proven wrong here, but to me, like, to memory, it was a wire to wire win. And my, my fondest memory of this game is press row for this game was seated between it, it's obviously first row, Michigan State's bench. We were somehow seated right behind Michigan State's bench. So, like, we saw, like, the whole back and forth between the coaches and players. It was great. And then behind us was all the players' parents. And I remember a parent – I don't remember which parent, but the entire time was, like, hounding Jordan Morgan and Mitch McGarry being like, they're, they're, that guy's big for nothing. He, what is he big for? He's big for nothing. And I'm like, oh, fuck. like, I mean, it's – Two, we're two minutes into the game. Like, I, I think it's a little too – like, we've already lost twice to these guys. I think we're kind of shit-talking the wrong people here. But I, you know what? They ended up being big for nothing because, like, nothing ever happened. Like, I remember Dawson going down for a fast-break dunk. It's like, oh, man, band's back together. This is awesome. And here's the thing, too, where it's part conspiracy and maybe it's part truth, but the Big Ten schedules – their conference championship game so close to Selection Sunday, like within the hour or the half hour where Michigan State looked awesome and they got a four seed in the tournament, which seemed a little low. Like we were talking in the press room, like, well, will they be a two? Will they be a three? No, they'll probably be a three. Maybe a two. They come out as a four seed. And this is the little conspiracy thing here, if I could put on my tinfoil hat, is like, Maybe the Big Ten schedule of this game too close to Selection Sunday where, like, they can't adjust the bracket, especially when it's a game like Michigan and Michigan State where it's two teams that are guaranteed in. Like, they're pretty much slotted in to their uh, seed line, if you will. But I was like, oh, shit, like, okay, like, four seems shockingly low, but it's like, did the game end too close to production time, to, to airtime of Selection Sunday? And, of course, no one's going to say, like, yeah, that's definitely the case, but regardless, I mean, it ended up not mattering for Michigan State because they fared okay in March Madness, but the four line seemed kind of off. And I remember, too, and again, this is probably something I can get wrong here, too, but Barack Obama does his bracket every year. And, of course, left-leaning president, but there is no one more conservative, no one more right in the world then Barack Obama, when he finishes his bracket, like the, the, the craziest he gets usually is like a 10 over a 17 in the first round. Other than that, all chalk. Like it is the chalkiest bracket. But like this year, he took four seed to MSU, and I think I'm almost positive he had them winning the entire thing. Like it was pretty obvious mm-hmm. who was going to be the leader out of this region to not only go to the Final Four, but also win this whole thing. Like, Michigan State was finally healthy. They were finally cooking. They just kicked the shit out of Michigan. They beat Wisconsin. They absolutely, completely lambasted Northwestern in the first round. Like, wow. This team hasn't been healthy in how long? Like, two months. Like, they are finally, finally rolling. Everything's looking okay. It's it's Mr. March's time. Let's go to Spokane, Washington, of all places, and let's have ourselves a tournament. Why don't we? Oh, man. God. One time. Cheers, guys, by the way. Cheers. Cheers.
right, life's the last beer. Lunch. There we go. As as you're opening that, it is funny looking at your little like four your foursome in the bracket. You're the closest team to Spokane. It's Cincinnati, Harvard, Delaware, and you. <laughs> I did not know that. that that's a contact yeah. right there. Wow. And then the the other the other four were not the other four were Oklahoma, North Dakota State, and then San Diego State, New Mexico State. So still, there was no one from the Northwest. But your four were you were literally the closest. So you could say the committee gave you an advantage by putting yeah, you close to home. Oh. Home court, home court. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember walking around the concourse, like trying to do like a, a, a stupid little video for our website. And uh, who did I run into first right off the bat is Steve Mariucci, like ex NFL coach, but he's lifelong friends with Tom Izzo. So I'm like, hey, Mr. Mariucci, you mind if I shoot a video with you? <laughs> no, no, that, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I got turned down by him. I'm like, well, okay. Shoot I'll, a I'll video go. with you. Schlop that no one's going to care about whatsoever, but that to happen. Wow, man. I don't know. The Michigan State was one of the closest teams to smoke out of everyone. Like, that's, that's crazy. But, like, what I, what I do remember is that uh, Delaware liked to play them some basketball. And uh, I think MSU got it up to, like, what, 13 points in the first half. And then eventually it became a two point game where I'm looking around, I'm like, fuck, like, I, 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 I could be going home tomorrow. <laughs> like the, the, the dream could be ending here. Like selfishly, I could be getting shipped home. But unselfishly, like this would be a monumental collapse here for Michigan State to lose to Delaware of all teams. Like okay, let's do it. But now, like Adrian Payne to the rescue. Like just a casual like forty whatever points. Like yeah, you know it's something light. And then Harvard beat whoever Tommy Amaker. Uh, former Michigan coach uh, and Harvard beat whoever in the first round. And I was like, okay, well. He, he coached at Michigan for X amount of times. Like, he didn't really have much success against MSU, but maybe he took, like, a, a page out of the playbook here and could beat MSU. Uh, like, I, I'm sorry to be lame here, but I, I don't remember anything from that game, which was probably good because it was very uneventful. And uh, Michigan State took care of Harvard and moved their way to Madison Square Garden to face number one seed Virginia. Man. Electric. Electric. <laughs> the, the the Virginia game was highly regarded uh, in that square ground. Like you could feel a buzz. Like the four fan bases were there, and uh, this is where I really lose my credibility because it was Michigan State, Virginia, UConn, and I forgot who ever UConn played. So what I remember pregame is the buzz. Like uh, the mass square garden was popping. UConn had a great home field advantage for, for their game. And also I remember too, I, Virginia, they got some hot fans, man. Like, wow. Everyone was like an eight or higher. Like, they're awesome. Um, regardless, I wasn't there for that. Uh, my seats were not on the baseline whatsoever. Uh, we were in the bridge at Madison square garden, which ends up being like a bird's eye view to the game. And the Virginia game was absolutely insane. It's everything you want in a Virginia game. It's low scoring. It's back and forth. And I remember Adrian Payne just dead on, just nailing, nailing a three-pointer to, to give a crucial lead to MSU. And, I mean, I wish I could remember more detail of it. It's celebrating battling. I, it's, I just – time passes, and I, I, I forget the ins and outs. But, man, clutch – Clutch final last few minutes, and I remember going back to the locker room. And 
the locker room felt like that that was the final four bid. Like that was it. And how could you not? Like it was a four versus one game. Like Virginia was, this is when Virginia was on the rise and like they were known for their defense. Like this is it. Like, all right, we just beat Virginia. What do we got next on the pipeline? Uh, number eight, UConn. Like, all right, hey, we just grinded out a two point win, man. Like let's, let's fucking go hard. Let's celebrate. And they were. I mean, it was a joyous locker room celebration, and uh, they had one game in between – or, I'm sorry, one day in between to practice, and uh, I, no indication that the team was going to slow down. But, like, I, I remember going into the game, and so selfishly, like, a, as a reporter, you got to be non-biased and whatever, and, like, I really feel like the whole time, the whole season, I, I did a, a good job at that. Like, I, I didn't care if MSU won or lost, whatever. Like, just like I was telling you guys earlier, like, sometimes if it was a close game – Shit, guys, just lose so it just doesn't go to overtime so I can hit deadline so I can get out of here early or whatever. But, like, going into the game, there was no signs, obviously. It's it's a four-team, four-seeded team that's on a complete roll against an eight-team that's also on a roll, but at the same time, it's like, it's UConn. Like, I don't know, it kind of sucked during the season. I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to go to we're, – we're going to Dallas. And the first half happens of the game. Like you're up six, you're up eight, you're up whatever you are at halftime. And very quickly into the second half, you're up 10, you're up 12. Like, the, things are looking okay. Like, the, this is great. I mean, I, I don't see how things can be going bad. Like, well, I'll tell you how things go bad. And, you know, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus here. Um, <laughs> my dad is – he's awesome. Love him. Great, great guy. But he also jinxes the hell out of every sporting event he talks about. Seemingly, and he booked flights to Dallas at halftime for Michigan State to go watch oh, Final Four. No. You can see where this is going. Uh, if anyone remembers 2014, uh, it didn't go too well. But like, yeah, Boatwright hits a few threes. What really killed us was Shabazz Napier, and I remember Shabazz Napier. He had a good move. It wasn't like a crossover. It wasn't like a you know stop, jump shot at the elbow. It, he was good at snapping his head back as if he was having a seizure whenever anyone was close to him, and it would draw the foul. Every single time anyone got close to him, oh, just, oh, just snap the head back. I was like, okay, all right, foul, go ahead, go, go to the line, make your two, three, go, whatever. Like, do what you got to do. But what really killed this team at the end was uh, it was a close game, like a two-point game. Maybe it was tied, maybe it was one, but whatever. Keith Appling fouled Napier on a three-point shot, and sure as shit, like, Napier hits all three of his free throws. And at that point, it was a foregone conclusion that, like, hey, this is it. Like, yeah, UConn did surmount the comeback. Like, this this was it. And I I, I say that I was non-biased for, to build up this story is, like, during the entire game, like, I knew that this is a time that not only that selfishly I can go to a Final Four and cover a Final Four team, but, like, th- this game – beyond, like, covering a team. Like, this is like, oh, shit, my childhood team could, like, win a national title and I could cover their national title season. So the entire time, like, I'm smacking the guys, like, next to me. Like, I, we, we just met each other before the game. We're both MSU people. Like, we're freaking <laughs> out on the bench. We're or, uh, up in the bridge, I mean. And we're like, oh, let's fucking the, – the guy next to me actually went so far as to, like, throw a lip of tobacco in during the game because he was so stressed out that he was just – Chiefing away, just chalk during the game, and I was like, 
I, I, I thought of stealing a bomb off of him. What helped there was that UConn is seemingly, I didn't know this before the game, but UConn is seemingly five minutes away from Madison Square Garden. And it was a, dude, this was a bonafide home game for the Huskies too, man. Like it, this, this crowd was roaring throughout the game. Even when they're down in the first half, whenever they like hit like a shot to cut it down to like six, whatever, like they were going insane. So yeah, man, like, I'm not using that mass square guard as an excuse for home court advantage, but like it, it helped, it helped UConn. It did. And Keith Afflin, I think he lost the game with two points. And at the very end, just to like throw his guys a bone, he threw the walk-ons in and Dan Chapman was the name of a walk-on and he hit this insane bank shot three pointer. It didn't mean anything because the game was over at that point, but you know what, you know what did mean? It meant that Dan Chapman outscored Keith Affling in the game, and like that—that that was just not what we needed at that time. <laughs> was a walk on to outscore our, our oh, no, our, our point guard at the time. Like everyone was just so miserable in the locker room. Like Keith Affling, I remember going in. I, I'm trying to think how many funerals I've been to. I th- I've probably been to a dozen funerals or so. That's still one of the three saddest rooms I've ever been in my entire life. Like it was just fu- take the juxtaposition of the Virginia game and the and the hoopla and the hysteria. Like guys are going insane. I mean, we I, you guys were like just hugging random reporters from me. It's like hold on, like we don't even know each other. Like what the? F- and now you walk in and Keith Appling is all alone. It was almost like he was doing like a a pose for an art project. He was all alone in the locker room, just. Dra- towel draped over his head. Every, seemingly a spotlight on him, and like everyone's keeping their distance. And eventually, someone asks questions like, "Hey, Keith, um, how how did it feel?" You know, like shove the microphone under the towel. It's like terrible. Like, oh, it's like fuck. This is like this is this. I, I I've been to morgues that are more popping than this right now. Like Jesus, bro. Like this this team is. Down on the dumps, as they should be, though, because, man, it's it's one thing to beat Virginia and think that you're going to the Final Four. It's another thing to be up 12 against UConn, having them against the ropes, and then slowly watching that lead dwindle away and having no answer for it. And it's tough to, like, throw it on Appling. Like, he had a horrible, horrible performance. But, like, I, at the same time, it's like, I, I don't I don't anyone else have a bad game necessarily. So, it's it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. And like this is like the sad part of the episode, right? Is we got to go to the end here because I, I didn't watch the final four after that. At that point, it was a combination of burnout from basketball and also like, well, fuck you guys. Like, I, this is you know UConn's going to win the whole thing. I don't. I forgot who they beat. I remember watching the second half of the national title and realizing like this is one of the worst games I've ever seen. But that is why. <laughs> This is the one that got away from Izzo. It's not 2010 when uh, Gordon Hayward fouled Draymond Green. It wasn't called, like, whatever. It wasn't 2019 where they lost to Texas Tech, who, in my opinion, was just a superior team to Michigan State. And I know that's a hot take around Michigan State circles. Like, no, Texas Tech was just better. Like, I'm sorry. But the one that got away when everything is all said and done for Izzo is that this was the one that really should have turned into a national title. Everyone points to the Final Fours. Like, how many MSU Final Fours are there? Like a thousand. I, I think it's this Elite Eight team that really, really let the chance slip away because UConn they had them in their grasp up twelve in the second half. UConn moseyed their way to the national title in a very weak Final Four. And I'm just, I got to take a hard pull of this one. I mean, 
it was it was so sad. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college basketball stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CBB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> this is our least favorite part because it's the one part. It's scripted. like a one yeah. scripted part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, here you guys have me on, and I'm fucking stumbling out of the gates here. All right, that's okay. You can you you can do a couple couple runs at it too. We got editing. Oh, so. that's okay. It won't get any better than this. Like it's like my license photo that I took the other week. It's like, hey, you like this? Is like, ain't gonna get any better. Can you do it again with the sponsored by Rocket Mortgage? Yes, yeah, please. Yeah, please. Would you like me to? <laughs> yes, Pat. Good job. Yes. All right. Hey guys, this is Matt Sheehan, uh, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage Classic. I'm here to talk about uh, Michigan State basketball, also sponsored by Rocket Mortgage, uh, whatever. All right, here we, here we go. <laughs> Nailed it. That was completely smooth. Nailed it. Tell me a little bit about the Izone. It lives up to the hype, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah, um, pretty cool. It, it looks awesome. It, it, it is like, and that's something like I've always grown up like wanted to be. And I know that sounds like so lame and corny and cliche, but like growing up, it's like that looks lit. Like that's just that's just something that separates Michigan State from a lot of other schools. Like how many other yeah. schools can say that they have a student section that loud? And also in the lower bowl too. Um, like obviously Cameron Crazies have. I think Baylor yeah. has. I wanted to go to Duke. Exactly. Like you get the idea. It, it's it's very rare to see a section down there because you could charge a Keen's ransom for like those seats, but they throw the students down there. Everyone gets pretty hype. Um, that's some of the, like the, like there was a conversation on sports talk radio here in Detroit. It's like, what's the loudest you've ever heard of stadium. And pretty much for the top five have been in the zone. Like there's been moments like I can't even hear myself scream. So it's, it's been pretty cool. And what was nice is that year I covered the team. It was, uh, we had baseline seats for most of the games, which is right in front of the zone, right in front of the marching band. So There'll be times like at the office where people are like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being too loud. It's like, honey, like I, I, I wrote like multiple stories that did work in front of like the Izone for a full year of my life. Like I, the noise doesn't concern me anymore whenever I work. So if not yeah. for nothing, great job training at like how to work. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Man, like I mean, I could just go on for for days about like how awesome he is, sure. how special it is, but that, that'd be boring. So. Um, King D bag over here. <laughs> just oven. This was house twice. Like, who the hell do I think what's I the, am? What's um, the coolest feature of Tom Izzo's house? Shit, man. Like, I'm a huge memorabilia junkie, like big time, yeah. and it's just the sheer amount of like game ball. That's the hangers on the wall, dude. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> That's right. This is uh, this is it, fellas. Uh, no, it, it's just the sheer amount of like game balls he has, like game worn jerseys, oh, yeah. like, one of a kind pictures, like these awesome yeah. frames hung up. Like he's got a full display case with like trophies and little trinkets from like around the world where he's been. It's like, sure. 
He's got a nice full bar. He's got like one of those shuffleboard tables you see at a bar. Um, uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. Shuffleboard like, is always all key. over the place, man. Like it's it's uh, it's the house of a multi-million dollar head coach of a Division One basketball program. That's that's what. Yeah. What I find interesting too is that he has a, like a lot of game balls from like key losses that he has too, like Elite Eight losses, Sweet Sixteen that's losses. That's so cool. Like, why are you displaying this ball? Like this game sucked. <laughs> what are we doing here? So, Looks at it every day, picks up the ball, and thinks about yeah. what could have been, and strives for another Final Four. <laughs> yeah, that's like a subtle dick measuring thing. It's like, oh, not only do I have it's all my so wins, cool, but I'm I so love cool. I'm so yeah, no, no, it's great. But it's just like, oh, here's yeah, here's some other time, the other big games I was in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, here's a loss from the Elite Eight, though. Like, oh, we lost this game in yeah. the Final Four. Like, so, yeah. okay, even your losses are kind of flexes, I guess. So, go on, hey, Tommy. All right. He talks right. to that ball every day and says, you could have been on the mantle. You could have been a Final <laughs> Four ball. But so you will never be one win balls against, like, Cleveland State. It's like, yeah, you would be up here, but you're not as cool as a Final Four <laughs> loss. Sorry about that. Like, but yeah, man. Um. You, you say Oklahoma, North Dakota State, like, I, I remember that game, and because uh, we either could have gone back to the hotel that night, which we stayed, like, this is going to shock you, our college paper didn't have the biggest budget, so we stayed 45 minutes away in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, at a Motel 6 uh, for the tournament, so it was like, hey, all right, we can either ship over to Coeur d'Alene, or we can stay the rest of the night in uh, this fine Spokane uh, gym, and we watched the whole North Dakota State-Oklahoma game, man, and... Um, I remember looking at my buddy who, you know, was my fellow writer. I'm like, dude, like, we got press passes. We we can go down to the locker room right now and, you know, hang out with North Dakota State and ask some questions. I'm like, shit, let's go do it. So that, that was cool. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.